Welcome to Hope Anchors. I'm Sean. And I'm Johnny. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who we are to all that Jesus is. Hebrews 6.19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Amen, Johnny. Amen. Well, we are into a new series. It's kind of a mini series because we're uh, in the Christmas season and sometimes uh, we, you know, when we get into this, especially those of us who might be speaking on this on an annual basis, sometimes it's like, okay, well, everybody's heard the Christmas story. What, what can we do that's new? And, and as somebody that sits and listens to this <laughs> message constantly, I'd like to say thank you for changing things up. Mm. Well, and I, there are times where I will get messages or I get inspiration for, for specific messages um, or s- sermon series from other people. There are times where I've done series based on uh, someone else is doing a, someone else doing a series or maybe a book that I've been reading. And I don't even know where the inspiration for this came from, but I, I've always had the sense that we, we tend to minimalize this season, the Advent season, Christmas season. Uh, it, we minimalize it, you know, uh, t- time frame. I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking about the nativity scenes and the nativity sets that maybe we put out during Advent. And, you know, it, it includes all the characters that we think is in the Christmas story. And we think is, you know, in that day or in that those couple of days when in fact it's over a two year time span. Um, because when we have the Magi visiting Jesus, he's already, he's two years old. Uh, so, but there are a variety of ways that we do minimize it. And I, what I wanted to bring out in this Christmas season was just, the whole idea that this there's something bigger going on. Uh, there's something bigger going on in terms not not just in terms of the time frame, but some really deep things happening. Uh, you know, we've got these prophecies from hundreds and even thousands of years before uh, Jesus arrives on the scene in the flesh. Uh, that this is a, a bigger story than just one people group in one part of the world at what and at one time in history, mm-hmm. but uh, there is there's it, it's big, and so we entitled it. Oh, this, this is, is big. big. <laughs> um, but and that's that's really for the that for that reason, and so uh, entitled this one anticipating. You know, what does it mean to anticipate and really long for something? Expect that something is going to happen when maybe it's not happening yet. Yeah. And we look at this, um, just to give a little flashback to just in our last series, um, To Live as Christ, we ended this with a glimpse of what Paul's saying about how this birth of this child and how important it is to where God's message, the message of the good news on how it has entered into Caesar's household. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes us such, that's why this is a big deal. Oh, this is big is so true because it's more than just the birth of Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we have this season, but it's more than just a two week, three week period. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited when you started this series about, you know, looking at the prophets and how they, what they were writing about this child to come. And uh, we're going to get into Isaiah who wrote his prophecy some 700 years Mm -hmm. before the birth of Christ. And it's so amazing how we just, uh, or we want things right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we are such a microwave world to where we need this done. I want my popcorn in two minutes and 38 seconds. Mm -hmm. I don't have 700 years to wait. So when we read these things and we understand 
uh, just to kind of go into what Paul's mission was in our last series, what he did to get that message of the good news into Caesar's household, that didn't happen overnight. That was a 70-year journey mm-hmm. of, of all that, you know, a lifetime journey to get that message there. And here, we're the whole idea to anticipate When's this going to happen? Mm-hmm. When I mean, I can only imagine as a people of Israel hearing this message and being so excited, and we have nine months from a, for a birth to take place, mm-hmm. but yet they're going to have to wait seven hundred years. Yeah. So the anticipation of this, the ups and downs, how they how they're going to deal with this is is a journey in itself. It's, a, it's really pretty awesome that um, Isaiah is addressing a part of the kingdom. So by this time, I mean, it, it had happened many, many, many moons before, but just that Isaiah is addressing the kingdom of Judah. Now, Judah and Israel, they've been split. There's, a, there's the northern kingdom, there's the southern kingdom. Um, essentially, there was a civil war. And uh, so Isaiah is addressing a part of the country. Geographically, he is addressing a part of the country that is going to actually see Jesus for the first time, because that's where Jesus does his ministry. I, I think that's pretty, pretty amazing tie uh, between the two. But just the simple fact that here um, Isaiah is speaking to this Northern kingdom and he's talking to the, t- talking to this people that have really experienced a lot of uh, darkness. I mean, there are these warning signs that another nation is going to be taking them over. There are these you know prophecies that, that God is not happy with the, the direction that they are taking their lives individually, as well as the way that they're taking their country. And so there's going to be judgment that's coming. And so you're living in these times of darkness and gloom. And so that's exactly where Isaiah picks this up in, in chapter nine, verse one, he says, and he's, you know, as he's speaking to this people who are living in this darkness, he says, listen, there's going to be a time when you know those who are living in this darkness and distress that that God is going to do something pretty awesome that those of you who are walking in darkness have seen a great light that there's that this is going to come and so the the message that Isaiah has for them is is just this message of anticipating something that they might not get tomorrow next year may not happen it's not going to happen in their lifetime well. which is I, that's a concept that I don't think we we even we can even grasp when you're thinking that something is prophesied and it's going to take 700 years for that fulfillment to take place. You know, we look in today's time and we have people that are walking around in darkness who are depressed. I mean, especially when we look at this time of the year. Yeah, this time of year can be a, a it could dark, be very depressing time dark, for dark, dark time, and people are struggling with this and. And what Isaiah is really telling these people is even during these dark, dark times, stay true to God because he will deliver you. Mm. He will deliver you. It may take more than a day. It may take more than a week, but stick with it. Make sure your foundation is solid with God. Listen to God. Be obedient to God. Develop your relationship with God, and he will eventually deliver you. And that's what he's trying to really tell these people who's going through these dark times. You know, now, it, and imagine, folks, it's going to take them 700 years 
for this plus, you know? And so now here, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light, but who knows when that great light's going to come. And I think this is the hard part about living today that we, we want to see the light so quickly, so fast. I want to see it now. I'm tired of living in this depression. You know, where is my light? Where is my light? And I know I shared a couple episodes ago um, about being in a dark place and, you know, about my thorn. And uh, I did have some light. I had, I've had several people reach out to me and, and thank me for that episode and uh, was, was very encouraging. And they were part of that light. And it was really nice and really beautiful. And it meant a lot to me uh, to hear that and the, for people to reach out. And, and folks, that's what we want for you to understand is you don't have to live in this darkness. And I know this time of year can be very difficult. Reach out or allow somebody else to come into your life and be that light. Mm-hmm. He says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light upon them. A light has shined. And uh, some of my research, I was seeing that the northern tribes are the first to suffer from the Assyrian invasions. So then in God's mercy, they were the first to be able to see the light of Jesus, which is pretty, pretty amazing. But Matthew chapter four, verses 13 through 16 actually quotes this passage out of Isaiah nine as a um, clear fulfillment of Jesus doing his ministry in Galilee and really impacting and touching people's lives and bringing light to that, to that place. And Isaiah also talks about the joy that they're going to experience. And he gives some word pictures of that joy. But, um, you know, one of those is uh, the joy of the harvest. You know, when uh, I know that when we were living in Napa Valley, people were pretty excited about those grapes being harvested so that they could make some fantastic wines. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's it's that kind of joy or uh, Isaiah talks about. Uh, you know, as in the day of Midian's defeat, he's referring back to when Gideon had a victory over the Midianites in Judges 7. And and even to the point of given this word picture that every warrior's sandal garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. And it means that the battle's over. It's done. You know, there is complete victory. There's mm. no more fighting, no more battle, no more war, which, you know, will is essentially looking ahead to what Jesus does to win our freedom by the cross yeah. and and then win our uh, lives eternally by his resurrection. But that, but that what Jesus did for us, it, it completely ended the war. I mean, it's done. We have complete victory in him. And so there's joy in that. You know, when you get victory over different things in your lives, there is a sense of joy in that. And, and ultimately, this is what Isaiah is talking about in terms of this this joy. I mean, joy was our, our theme last Christmas. Um, but then Isaiah will talk about the nearness of God. And I love that, you know, a, a big part of the Isaiah 9 prophecy speaks of a child to be born and that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In my comments, parts of my Bible, Wonderful counselor. It says he is exceptional, mm. distinguished, and without peer, the one who gives the right advice. Mm. I think it'd be wonderful if every single one of us had um, a friend like that. Michelle is actually um, 
I do really consider her to, to be my best friend. We just absolutely enjoy hanging out together, but you know, we do understand each other. Uh, we understand what, you know, what, what we're going through at different points of our lives, whether it's at work or, or I'm dealing with different things in our lives, but to have someone who not only gives great advice, but is an incredible listener. I mean, that's what I would consider to be a wonderful counselor. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, not gives great advice. He gives right, right, right advice. advice. That's fantastic. Right advice. How many people do we have in our lives that gives us advice? And it's pretty good, <laughs> but sometimes it's not the right advice. Right. And I, this, just hearing this uh, and putting that in that context, it takes me back to, to, to our Bible studies of, uh, of Job and having his friends that would give him the advice of why he's going through all this stuff, but it wasn't the right advice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we have these things and, uh, you know, being exceptional and distinguished. Well, that's exactly who Jesus was. And, and I, there's a, one of the things here, it says, and without peer, mm. I was like, man, that's kind of sad. If you think about my peers, my friends, people that are around me that, that I, you know, if you go to court, you're supposed to have a, you know, be, an advocate, you know, and av- well, you're to your jury is supposed to be of your, oh, your peers. peers. Yeah. And here, this man, this wonderful counselor has no peers. Hmm. There is no one like him. Yeah. No which, which is true, him. which is very true. But in a way it was like, man, I, I'm just grateful that over the years I've had, I've had some wonderful counselors, whether they've been people that, you know, when I uh, faced what was happening in my parents' lives in terms of their uh, divorce or uh, when my dad passed away, having people who were that I was really close to that I could turn to. Um, but just to have someone like that, you know, maybe you've got a counselor or a psychologist or a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of big right now is a life coach, you know, someone who's helping you with your goals and and maybe helping you, you know, chase down your your physical goals. Maybe you've got a personal trainer in that way. But there are other other people who are life coaches where they're actually helping you, you know, gain some success in, in terms of your work life or your work, your work and life balance, you know, those kind of things. But Isaiah calls this child to be born wonderful counselor. And it's neat because there's a, there's a great tie into what John says uh, as he uh, records what Jesus said in John 14, but he's, you know, talk to them. He says, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled because they were uh, because of what he was talking about in predicting uh, how he would die and that he would be leaving them, but that he, you know, in his, in his praying, he's asked the heavenly father that, you know, he, that he would give another advocate, to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And not just that the this, this spirit, God's very presence would be with you, but Jesus promises for he lives with you and will be in you. You're not going to be left as orphans. You know, he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. The many times that I've brought up the most often quoted command in scripture, do not fear, which is what Jesus starts us off with, is usually tied into the promise that I will never leave you mm-hmm. nor forsake you. And so this, this counselor is always with us. If you've invited him into your life, um, if you've said yes to Jesus, what you're also saying yes to is God's very presence living inside of you, not just God being with you, but God being in you. And so you're inviting another person to live inside of you, to take up residence in you. He's, you know, your body is his sanctuary. And if you really listen to that Holy spirit, he is giving you the right advice. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I love the other, uh, Three names that uh, Isaiah reaches out to and says who this child will be. Mighty God, hmm. 
You know, and this is where I know a lot of people have struggled with understanding who Jesus is, but mighty God is God himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is just that whole idea that I know people that struggle with. That the child with. to be born would be called God. Almighty God. Yes. God himself. And then everlasting father. Everlasting. He is timeless. Yeah. He's going to be there forever. He was there before. He's there now. He's going to be there forever. And he is God our father. I love that. I love the idea, mighty God and everlasting Father. He is God himself, and he is timeless. Of any of the dreams that I remember um, of people in my life or, or family members, it's really interesting. I, I think if I were to score it, <laughs> for some reason, my grandpa read, um, shows up in my dreams more than um, anybody else in my family. I don't know why that, that that's the case, <laughs> but... Uh, he was just such a wonderful figure in our lives. And uh, I think the reason why uh, I'm close to my cousins and why all of us cousins are close to each other is because of the relationship that Grandpa Red and, and Grandma Dorothy had with each other, then with their kids and then with their grandkids. And uh, to think of my everlasting father as being, you know, that kind of a figure wow. that you just love being around them and, 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 they, he and his brothers just had such a wonderful sense of humor. And so it was just kind of fun to be watching, you know, Lions football together and, and just hearing them, you know, and, and just their stories and just having a great time together. But to to have those memories of, you know, being with my grandpa on his tractor mowing, you know, his three acres or or <laughs> back in the day when you could do this, uh, you know, that in some cars you have an armrest, oh, yes. you know, and uh, and. As a little kid, we used to be able to sit on that armrest next to grandpa, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not in a car seat, not in a seatbelt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just those times of being with my grandpa was just really wonderful. But to not that about, we're advocating no. kids not being in a car seat. All right. Let's just, let's just get that through. But just to think that we have in God this wonderful father, yes, this grand father, and that he is there for you and loves you like crazy. Uh, I know that we often, you know, as we talk about God as father too many times, if you haven't had a, f- a great father figure in your life, that can make it really hard for you to think of God as father. But our example, so, you know, we don't look up, look to fathers as an example of who God is. We look to God as an example who, for who father should be. Yeah. And even so when I guess when I was thinking about my, about my grandpa Red and his desire to play with us, I think. You know, it's one thing, as Jesus said, you know, pray to your father in heaven, our father who, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But to think about, you know, your father is not only someone you pray to, but you play with, oh, you yeah. know, could you have fun with God? <laughs> I love that image. I do. I love, you know, and I've always kind of thought of, you know, those days where you're hurting and everything else about being wrapped up in, in God's arms about how safe and secure you feel that warmth of being wrapped in his arms. And that's all part of that too. I mean, can you imagine Johnny uh, being able, God's laying, you know, he's on the ground and he's on all fours and you get to jump on his back and he <laughs> takes you around like a horsey ride. Yeah. And, I mean, what a great image. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked uh, that he does that with the little kids in heaven right now. That's right. Well, and I would not be going back to something all. you said about Almighty God that this child would be called Everlasting Father, yeah. and then he um, is called Prince of Peace. Prince 
you know, it's, it's all about a kingdom. We are in his kingdom. Um, but he's the prince who brings peace. And maybe, you know, in your world, maybe you're not experiencing a whole lot of peace. Maybe there's some animosity between you and a loved one, mm-hmm. maybe a, a spouse or, or kids where, you know, maybe you used to be close and there's been some division. Uh, this is the prince who brings peace. And no matter what you're going through, um, he can give you a sense of peace in those storms. You know, we're going to have our day in court. We're going to be placed in front of God. We're going to have our accuser there, and we're going to have our advocate sitting next to us. And this is where the Prince of Peace means so much. His government is one of justice and peace. You know, when you think of his government, of his heavenly kingdom, and everything there is just, everything there has peace. And I love the way that it's written in here, the way Isaiah says this, you know, his government and its peace will never end. Hmm. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David. Hmm. It's like, uh, hello, mm-hmm. here's a fulfillment yeah. coming up. But it's just, I love the idea of listening to Paul's talk and his writings and why he struggles at times with, isn't it better for me to just go and be with my heavenly father now Hmm. than to be here on this earth because of this passage right here. I long to go to that heavenly kingdom where there is justice and where there is just peace. Hmm. And we struggle with that. But like Paul says, but if I'm not done yet, then allow me to continue and do what I'm called to do. Hmm. In this darkness that we live in and that we have, This is why we have this hope. This is why we end our show with, we just want to give you hope because here is this light that's going to shine. That's going to be a part of your life. And you just have to hang on and believe and let that joy of knowing that God's going to see you through these times. Let that be that light. When you see a Christmas tree, or if you're just out and about and you see lights on the house, I pray that you see that light and let that light be Jesus. Let that bring a joy to your heart to go, I know that there is something coming that's bigger than I've ever imagined. Because that's what this season is about. When we see all of this stuff, we listen to Isaiah and we know that these the people of Israel are hurting We know that they're going to have more pain in their life, that this darkness is coming and it's just going to be hanging around and they have to live in it for 700 years before this light comes to them. Mm. Friends, I'm just, I'm praying for you that you allow the light of Jesus to just penetrate that darkness just a little bit and you see that hope. And when you see it, you cling to it and you hold on to it tight and you just pray to God for that deliverance. And he will see you through that. No matter what you're going through, he will see you through that. And that's why it's so important for this Advent season that this is more than just about the birth of a child. This is about redemption, salvation. This is going to be about death on a cross. This is going to be about so much more. This is about a victory. It's not just about a birth. Mm. Hey, 
We want to thank you so much for listening to Hope Bankers. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 15:4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Yes, and that is our purpose, to give you something to anchor your hope to. So please, don't ever give up, keep looking up, and keep hope alive.